everyone and welcome back to our Hidden Figures series. I'm so disappointed you can be here with me today, but I thank God for the opportunity to present this to you virtually. Last week, Sister Henry spoke to us about Tamar, and this week we'll be speaking about Ruth. Ruth is one out of five women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She's one out of two women to have books and of the Bible named after her. And out of those two women, she's the only Gentile woman. Today, I want to focus on three attributes of Ruth that I think really allowed God to be able to use her to accomplish his perfect will. Ultimately, if we adopt these attributes, God will also be able to use us to accomplish his will. The story of Ruth is a familiar one. If you grew up in the church, perhaps it was told to you as a child. It was told to me as this epic love story. And when I read it, I read it through the lenses of a love story. But when I grew up and I finally studied the book of Ruth, I thought to myself that there's a lot more to the story than just a love story. So I've captioned this, the romance of redemption. The romance of redemption. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us, teaching us those things that he wants us to know. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. To start, let's read Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. It gives us a nice background. It reads, Now it came to pass, in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Melon and Kilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpha, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. And Melon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. So we meet Naomi in the middle of a tragedy. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. She's left with her daughters-in-law. And they're on their way back to Bethlehem, Judah, because she's heard the famine is over. But on the way back, Naomi becomes a bit overwhelmed at the sacrifice Ruth and Orpha are making for her. In those days, a woman was only recognized in relation to a man. The only security she had would have been provided to her by a man. They were not able to own land, and they often 
did not work outside of the home. So Naomi understands that if she takes Ruth and Orpha back to Bethlehem Judah with her, that they're going to struggle and they're going to have no physical provision and no security. Widows are at the very bottom of Israelite society. The only people lower on the social strata would be foreigners, which Ruth and Orpha are. They're not only foreigners, they're Moabites, and Moabites are enemies of the Israelites. On top of that, Moabite women are seen as very promiscuous. It wouldn't even be safe for her to take Ruth and Orpha back with her. So on the way back, it's a 50-mile journey. These things weigh on her. So she begs them three times to turn back, to go back to their mother's house in Moab. That would be their best bet. Eventually, Orpha decides to return. And we cannot fault her. She's made the most logical decision. But Ruth, let's read Ruth's response in chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. This leads me to the first attribute of Ruth. Ruth was selfless. In going with Naomi, she is foregoing any guarantee of protection or any form of physical provision. She puts her future security at risk, even her safety, to return to Bethlehem Judah with Naomi. I think that selflessness and that self-denial was one of the main reasons that God was able to use Ruth to accomplish his will. She thought of herself last. And doesn't God call on us to do the same? Ephesians 5 and verse 21 says that we should submit ourselves one to another in love. We talk a lot about the verse that comes after that, which tells wives to submit to their husbands. But this verse here is talking about our interpersonal relationships, my relationship with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. But what does that even mean, that we should submit ourselves one to another? Simply, it means that I should think of you before I think of myself. That I should see myself as part of a unit rather than as an individual. And that I should put the needs of that unit before my own needs. I like how it's put in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 3 to 4. It reads, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Helping others often requires a sacrifice on our part. That sacrifice may be time, money, effort. But often, we're not willing to help others if we're inconvenienced. God wants us to go out of our way for each other. He wants us to help each other, 
to our detriment. And we know this because Jesus Christ helped us to his detriment, even to his death. We are not losing anything when we help other people. God's economy is not an economy of scarcity. It is an economy of abundance. So going back to Ruth, she surely didn't lose anything when she goes with Naomi, when she helps Naomi. Instead, she gains everything. The second attribute is that Ruth was willing to serve. Ruth was willing to serve. Let's read chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleans in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. So Ruth goes to Naomi and she asks her, please let me go glean behind the reapers so we can have something to eat. Gleaning was part of God's welfare system built into his law. He commanded Israel to reap only on one path. What was left behind was for the poor and for the widow. Ruth and Naomi are in this situation. So Ruth humbly goes behind the reapers and she gathers so her and Naomi can have sustenance. I want to take time here to really compare Ruth's behavior with Naomi's. Naomi is in a bad place. When she gets back, everyone's so happy to see her. She tells them, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She tells everyone, God has dealt bitterly with me. So Naomi is here in her grief, but Ruth does not even take the time to, to grieve. Ruth gets straight to work. She turns her pain into purpose by dutifully serving and caring for Naomi. As she's serving through her pain, she finds herself in a place of blessing. And this might also be true for us. Why I admire Ruth is because she did not allow her circumstances to dictate her service to Naomi. It touches me because there are times in my life when I was going through bad circumstances and I allowed those circumstances and my moods and my emotions to dictate my service, not only to God, but to my fellow man. Even though Ruth had suffered great loss, even though she was in the middle of bad circumstances, God was still able to glorify himself through her life. And he can do the same for us no matter what our past or what our present circumstances are. With Christ, our past, or even our present, it does not dictate our future. Thank God today that our test becomes testimonies, and those testimonies are powerful. They have the power to set captives free. 
no matter what our past is, once it's in Christ's hands, it has value. It is valuable. What a testimony Ruth has. Through her service, he was able to use her, and he wants to use us as well. But we have to be willing. We have to purpose in our hearts today not to allow bad circumstances, not to allow our past, our moods, our emotions to dictate how we serve God or how we serve our fellow man. The final attribute is that Ruth was assertive. Naomi comes up with a plan because she knows if her and Ruth are going to get the security they so desperately need, that there is more to be done. Boaz is their kinsman redeemer. And Sister Henry talked a bit about this last week. The kinsman redeemer is a near male relative, and if he's willing, he has the obligation to marry his dead relative's widow and to give her an heir. There are different reasons for this. One would be to protect the widow from being socially and economically vulnerable. Another would be so that the dead man's family is not disinherited from their land. And the third would be so the dead man's name and his posterity can go on. Naomi knows all of this, so she tells Ruth to fix herself up, to bathe, to put on perfume, to put on her good clothes, and to go lay at Boaz's feet. She tells her when she gets there that Boaz would tell her what to do. But once Ruth gets to his feet, she doesn't wait for him to tell her what to do. She asserts herself by bringing to his attention his obligation to her under the law. She invokes her right under the law. Let's read chapter 3, verses 8 to 11. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Be blessed thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Ultimately, Boaz marries Ruth, providing both her and Naomi with the protection and the provision that they needed. He gave her an heir. His name was Obed, and Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David, a man after God's own heart. A few generations after David, we know there was the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Boaz, we see a picture of Christ. The same way that Boaz redeemed Ruth, Jesus redeems us. He bought us for himself out of destitution and he made us his beloved bride. He is the true kingsman redeemer of all of us who come to him in faith. For me, this is the romance right here, the romance of redemption. Having been redeemed ourselves 
we are now called to be redeeming agents of God's work here on earth. In order to do this, we're going to have to take a page out of Ruth's book and be assertive. I was thinking about the theme, hidden figures, and I thought to myself, in society, sometimes we as women wear hidden figures. Sometimes we're so quiet, sometimes we're silent, and a lot of factors would add to this. One being the way that we were socialized. I can't speak for the men, but when we were growing up, we were told things like silence is golden, speak when spoken to, answer when called, a woman should be seen and not heard. Then as we come of age, and as we go through our everyday lives, we experience a gender gap in communication. There are studies on it. These studies show that women are 33% more likely to be interrupted when speaking than a man. And it shows that women are more likely to be viewed negatively when speaking up in public places. So sometimes, even at church, the women are here, but they're quiet. And I wanted to really talk to the women of God today because while being silent and being quiet is seen as a very feminine value, being silent is not compatible with having the gospel. Being silent is not compatible with being an advocate for women or anyone in a vulnerable position. Being silent is not compatible with being blessed with gifts of the spirit that require you to speak. If God has given you a gift for the edifying of his body, it is important that we don't sit on it. It's important that we use the gifts God has given us. And it's important that we say the things the Holy Spirit puts it on our hearts to say and that we do the things he puts it on our hearts to do. My favorite part about this whole story is that God had a hand in it. Long before Ruth knew anything about God, God put things in motion for her to come face to face with her Redeemer, Boaz. It's like that too with our redemption. Before we knew God, before we were even born, God put things in place to, for us to come face to face with our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And we will accomplish his plan for us if we submit to his will and his plan today. Just to recap, we're gonna, go, going forward, we're going to do three things. And we're gonna purpose in our hearts to do it today. One, we're gonna be selfless. We're gonna truly sacrifice for others the way Christ sacrifices for us. Two, we're going to be willing to serve. We're gonna serve through our pain and through our bad circumstances. God wants to give us our testimony and our testimony is going to help others. As we serve, we're going to be mindful of serving those vulnerable persons in our society. Three, we're going to be more assertive. We're going to do that by saying those things the Holy Spirit puts it on our hearts to say. And by doing those things, he puts it in our hearts to do. We're going to use our gifts for the edifying of his body we're going to pray now that god will give us the grace to do these things bow your heads with me dear heavenly father 
I come before you today with my sisters in Christ. We thank you so much for creating us. We thank you for sustaining us. We thank you for redeeming us and honoring us by calling us your daughters. Today, God, we empty ourselves of ourselves and we ask that you would fill us with fire from heaven. We ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. We ask, God, that you will give us a fresh mandate and a fresh purpose. We ask, God, that you would help us not to be selfish, that you would help us to be selfless, that we would be agents of change within this society. We ask, God, that we'll be of service to you, to your body. We ask that we'll be of service to vulnerable people and that we would touch all those that we come across. We ask God that you would give us Holy Ghost boldness. We thank you so much that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us the spirit of love, of power, and of a strong mind. So today, God, we ask that you would give us the grace to move through this society as women of God, that we would do those things the Holy Spirit calls us to do. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.